Welcome to this conversation. My guest today is Ellen Elms. I'm going out on a limb to say she was just born an artist, but we're here today to talk about an opportunity that the public will have to see her very important and sensitive work on Saturday, August the 6th from two to four in the afternoon. Welcome Ellen Elms to this conversation. Hello, thank you. Saturday, August the 6th, at the Arts Depot in Abingdon, people can see the emotional outpouring that you had in response to a specific incident. Tell us about that, Ellen Elms. It began in fall of 2020 when I received um, from a friend of mine from college, who David Carrasco, who is now um, a professor at Harvard University. We've kept in touch over the years, and his heritage is Mexican um, through his father, who uh, spent a great deal of time in El Paso during his life. And David had sent out um, an essay he wrote in response to visiting the memorial set up by Walmart in El Paso, Texas, after the terrible shootings that took place there on August 3rd in 2019. And David, having his heritage from El Paso, went to visit this memorial and was shocked to see that there were no names with the memorial at that time. Later, they, Walmart did add names, but David's essay concerned his um, being so upset and surprised by the names not being included. Um, and it was about the importance, not only of stating people's names, but that the name represents the individual who led maybe an ordinary life, an extraordinary life, but each of those people having existed in their unique way with unique families and experiences. And that was lost um, in initially in this memorial. Well, his letter really hit home with me because I realized it was a year after the shootings had happened and I was, surprised at myself that I didn't even remember it had taken place. And so I started thinking, what can I do in my own mind and heart to realize better the humanity of these people and the loss to their families and communities? And so being an artist, and this was during the uh, isolation period of COVID, I was home, I had time to do this in uh, October of 2020, I decided to paint a portrait of each of the um, people who had been killed in the shootings. And I didn't know if I'd be able to accomplish it or not, but my plan was if I could do all of the 23 portraits of the people killed, that I would then send them to their, to a family member um, as a gift. And I did end up each day during October painting one portrait and ended up doing all 23. And with the help of David and some of his staff at Harvard, 
He put us in touch with El Paso leaders and the district of attorney, uh, the district attorney who was handling the cases for the families. And um, we were able to get addresses of a family member for each of the uh, victims. And so uh, remarkably, we were able to send uh, a portrait, the original portrait to each family member that happened to arrive on Christmas Eve of that year. And it was a moving um, response that I received uh, a month or two later from different family members by email, by notes. And then we ended up going to um, El Paso in 2021 for the dedication of a healing garden. Uh, which at that point we were able to, in attendance there to meet directly some of the family members and friends of the people lost. And uh, we received a, a, a warm welcome and um, it's just been a very meaningful experience for me. And so at the art center on August 6th from two to 4 p.m. and also the evening before will be an opening for this exhibit along with other artists. Um, I will be showing reproductions of each of the 23 portraits. That is an absolutely amazing story. And most of all, I'm struck by your humanity in saying, what can I do to focus on the humanity of these individuals? who were all killed in El Paso at a Walmart, all Mexican-American, is that correct? Um, most, uh, there, were, there are two people who are not of Mexican-American heritage. And but you said, if I understood you correctly, you, you, this could not be right. You did not do a portrait a day. Uh, yes, I did. I, uh, I got up every morning and started a new portrait. And of course, before doing that, I spent a great deal of time looking up um, not only photographs of the people who had been killed, but also um, stories and um, uh, obituaries, um, funeral um, ceremonies that spoke about these individuals to gather as much information as I could about who each person was in you life. You had to have a picture. Yes, and with some, it was difficult to find a picture that like one person, um, there was only a picture online of when he was very young. And so I had to dig a little further to, I wanted to do something that would represent each person as they were when they died. Um, but I was able to gather adequate pictures. And I decided that for each one to emphasize their name, I would not only put the name across the top arcing over each of, of the, the head of the person, but on the bottom, I have um, the first name and saying what that name means, either culturally or uh, mythologically or spiritually. Um, so, for example, I had Maria means beautiful, beloved, 
and that's put in a border along the bottom of each person. And so I learned a lot through that as well and tried to connect the meaning of the name to the way I portrayed the person as well as the stories I'd learned about them in their lives. And I tried to make them as alive as possible. (laughs) Your friend, David Carrasco, a professor at Harvard, by the way, and friend of yours, and he writes an essay and said these victims were memorialized with no names at the Walmart where they were killed. And you said, I want to do something. And you gave them way more than a name. You gave them a name, an identity, an individual portrait. Let's just back up to the ugly stuff just for a second, Ellen. What happened? Who killed these people? Why? I'm afraid we're all guilty of just so many mass shootings and we just forget the details and forget the people, forget the victims. But why did they die? What happened? It was a Saturday morning at Walmart. People were going about their normal day. Some of the victims had just stopped to pick something up quickly at Walmart and to go elsewhere. Uh, There were two men who were killed who, one was a coach of a um, girls soccer team and a father of one of the girls were on the front area of Walmart having a fundraiser for raising money for the soccer team. And they were killed protecting their girls. Um, But I just want to emphasize the normalcy of the day. Every time I go to Walmart now, any Walmart or really any large store, I think, you know, this, this is just a normal day. It could have happened to any of us, but the killer drove, I think it was a thousand miles, um, eight hours he drove to get there specifically to that Walmart because he came with hate, hatred of Mexican and Mexican-American people. And that was his mission to come and shoot as many people as he could. And he went to that particular Walmart because it's right there at the border of Juarez and El Paso. And he knew that the clientele there was mostly Mexican and Mexican-American people. And he started shooting in the parking lot, then went to the front of the store and on into the inside. He was a white supremacist who was looking for yes. Mexican Americans. What happened to him? Um, well, at first um, he had fleed the scene and police later tracked him down and his trial is, is yet to happen. It probably won't be for another year or so, but of course he's held um, and indicted, but um, that trial hasn't come up yet. He was arrested, but he's still alive, and all these 23 people are dead. I looked at the list of people from some material that you had given me. One of the people, this one just really struck me, was a 15-year-old who was there to open a bank account. Yes, he had gone into the store with his uncle and, um, you know, he was a typical teenager involved in sports, very active in his school and had decided that he had 
save some money and he wanted to open up a bank account and was standing online to and do that. Somebody else was, it was a couple. And if I understand it right, they had their six month old with them and they were shopping for a birthday party that day for their six-year-old. That's, that's correct. Um, Andre and Jordan Anchando were their names. And also, I want to mention the 15-year-old boy you just mentioned, because it is important to say their names, um, was Javier Rodriguez. Uh, but the couple were in their 20s, and they had um, their daughter was having a birthday party that day, and she was at a friend's house. But they went into the store with their new baby when the shooter came up to them. And the husband uh, uh, stood on Chando, stood in front of his wife to protect her. He was shot. In the meantime, she fell to the floor covering their baby to protect the baby. And then she was shot. And um, so that's one of the most horrific incidents, I think. Uh, so the baby survived and they both yes. died? Yes. Oh, Ellen, and you you dedicated so much time to making portraits of these people. I mean, when you talk about this, it makes me want to cry. It, you must feel like you have personally lost people at this point. Um, well, actually, uh, as I was painting each day, when I got involved in the portrait I was working on at the time, I, I really felt through my painting of their faces, I was getting to know them and admire them in many cases. And I became intrigued with some of the aspects of, of their lives. And there were certain days when towards the end of the day, I would even think, oh, I wish I could meet them. And then it would strike me that they were dead. And, and yes, that's exactly what you said. I, I felt a terrible sense of loss because I felt like I'd gotten to know them a little bit. That's that humanity thing again. So let's just recap. My guest is Ellen Elms. She responded to an essay from her friend, David Carrasco, who pointed out that in the El Paso massacre, of 23 Mexican-American, Mexican-descendant people that they were memorialized without names. And Ellen says, what can I do about that lack of recognition of the humanity? And she paints a portrait, a portrait a day of each of these people based on research that she's done. And then Ellen Elms, now you have these portraits, you've met these people by the research. Now what happens in this story? So during the year of uh, 2021, um, as I mentioned earlier, I, I did receive early in the year some notes by email and by uh, postal mail from different family members. Um, but then it came about, we were told by the district attorney and the mayor in El Paso, that they were planning on creating a healing wall. And 
as time went on, we were um, able to participate in a couple of Zoom meetings with people from Harvard and also El Paso. Harvard was helping some of the El Paso activists and civic leaders um, to plan events for the Healing Wall dedication. And as time went on, we were invited to come and be part of that and to show reproductions of the of my portraits um, while we were there in El Paso. And so throughout that spring and early summer, again, there were a lot of back and forths, um, particularly those on Zoom, we got to know some of the leaders um, better and realized that they felt very um, touched by the fact that I had done these portraits. And um, so we were welcome to come there. And when we did, we were there for, I think, four days, the fourth, the third evening being the actual um, dedication. And in that time, we attended a couple of uh, dinners and luncheons that involved people in the community. And twice, uh, on two occasions, we set up a display that my husband Don had made to show all 23 portraits. And um, the most memorable time was we were, Don and I went in early to the room where a dinner, community dinner was being planned for that evening and people were there setting up and it involved um, some of the waitresses and cooks and um, housekeeping people and they were busy putting tables up and arranging flowers on the tables and many of them were Mexican or Mexican-American and um, as we set up the portraits they came over to look more closely and spoke with us about it and expressed their appreciation for the portraits and then we left to go change clothes and get ready for the actual event. And when we came back that evening, the display is set on a table with a black cloth where that has a little bit of a shelf in front of it. And the women who had been setting up had taken fresh flowers that they had for the tables and laid them across the front of the portraits. And we saw some of them when we arrived and, and they said that was out of love for the people who had been lost. And it, it's just a very meaningful uh, situation and memory for me. How touching. And our time's getting away oh so fast, but then you have had the opportunity to give a portrait, the portrait of each person to someone. And so you've met family how can you tell us about that? Yes, um, we met the families, many families and family members directly on the evening of the dedication. They had a, a, a very beautiful ceremony uh, in a park uh, a little bit away from the healing garden. And it involved music and, and speakers from the community and introduction of family members, it was a beautiful ceremony. And following that, everyone, everyone walked over to the healing garden. 
which is an arced wall. And there's a plaque for each person who died and kind of a, a shelf out from the wall where people can sit. And as we went around the wall at each spot were family members for each of the people lost. And so they were very um, welcoming to everyone. It seemed like they, a year later, they were so ready to talk, two years later, I should say, and uh, wanted to tell about the person who died. And so we had direct hugs and uh, conversations um, that will last in my memory for a long, long time. Oh, Ellen Elms. How, what a touching, touching story. I'm just so honored to have you here on this program to tell this story. Uh, I want to find out a little bit more about you. I hate to leave the story, but I want people to know a little bit more about you. I said at the beginning, you were born an artist, but you, <laughs> I, I don't know what your childhood in your high school was like, but you've been a full-time artist since college? Yes. Um, in the early years, a full-time struggling artist. And then as time went on, um, I, I actually, I majored in art through college. I had some wonderful instructors um, and we moved to make it short. I have to make it, it's an abbreviated version of many things that happened to us, but we moved to West Virginia right after college. And that those were the years when I was a struggling artist. We did different things um, of jobs and, and I and all the time was had my art to sell mostly watercolors. But in 1980, I um, did my first mural in Wheeling, West Virginia. And, um, and following that in 88, I became a instructor of art at Southwest Virginia Community College. And since 1980, I've done, I think, 35, 36 murals in our region and in further areas further away. Um, and I've continued to do watercolors. And I just have to say quickly that this project of the portraits and then other recent projects I've been involved in, at my age, in my 70s, I have realized what a blessing, what a, how grateful I am to be an artist because things that I care about, things that have been issues that I've worked for uh, as an activist all my life, it's kind of come around to where now I'm painting about those things and, and having public expressions that I'm able to put out there. I feel like I've come full circle to what I believe in and what I've become capable of doing with my art. And I'm really grateful for that. Well, there's no way we can do justice to your art on radio, but I would like to <laughs> refer people to your website, which is ellenelms.com. And it's E-L-M-E-S is the last name, ellenelms.com. You can see the beautiful watercolors and also your portraits are there too. Yes, they are. And I'm going to promise, watch me and see if I can do this actually, to have your portraits posted on Facebook for the radio station, WEHC 90.7. See the amazing work of Ellen Elms. Um, on August the 6th, the two to four time period at the Arts Depot, we are 
reaching out and encouraging Mexican-American, Hispanic-American, Latinx people in our region to attend because we'd like it to be a community gathering and not just in memory of the portraits, but also bringing people together in the present day and sharing life experiences. Beautiful for any people of Hispanic descent or who know people in the Mexican-American community, bring them on Saturday, August the 6th to the Arts Depot in Abingdon from two to four. I've just got to touch on where you are now and what you've just been through in your personal life. Well, my husband and I live on Jewel Ridge, a mountaintop of the area is called Bearwaller. And actually we were away a week ago up in Maryland, but during that time is when the terrible flooding hit the communities um, just below our mountain of Whitewood and Jewel Valley and uh, Pilgrim's Knob. And many homes were literally washed down the road. Um, people lost water, power. They're still without some of that in places. And it was a sudden blast of rain in a couple of hours, almost seven inches fell. And so it was extremely destructive um, for us being on top of the mountain. We only lost power and, for, and connection to internet and um, phone for a week. But the people down there have, are in the midst of trying to recover and roads being fixed and people dug out and services restored. So um, Food City is running a campaign for collecting money for them. And Food City has also contributed um, a great deal of supplies and money to the people in those areas. And homes literally washed away, correct? Yeah. Um, some of the mobile homes were with people inside. It happened in the early morning during the night. And uh, people were inside their homes and moved down the creek. A four-wheeler ended up in a tree, a truck up upended against a bank, um, vehicles washed away. Difficult, and the, the primary time. effect on you was that you lost services. I know when we were trying to schedule yeah. this, you thought <laughs> you were going to have to go to another town to be able to record. We went down the road and made calls and things in a place where we got cell service on the mountain. Well, I'm so glad we were able to connect today. As we wrap things up, Ellen, let's see if we can make sure that everybody knows exactly how to find all kinds of information about you. First of all, I'll mention that to see these amazing portraits that artist Ellen Elms did, you can start with the 90.7 WEHC Facebook page. I will try to have that there. And then you want to take it from there about your website and the event? Uh, yes, my website is ellenelms.com, and um, the event is Saturday, August the 6th, from 2 to 4 in the afternoon um, at the Arts Depot in Abingdon, and everyone is welcome. We're hoping to have a diverse community gathering. Ellen Elms, artist and amazing humanitarian who decided just to put not just a name, but a face with these people who were living their just 
wonderful, ordinary and extraordinary lives and were massacred in El Paso. And she has brought them to life and found a new family with uh, all of those related. Thank you so much once again for being with us, Ellen Elms. Thank you very much, Teresa, for having me here with you. What a pleasure. And thanks above all to the listeners. And we hope that people will please stay tuned to WEHC 90.7. This show is archived and podcast. All you have to do is Google this conversation, WEHC. It'll come right up. Or you can also go to WEHCFM.com, the radio station website, look for talk shows, click on archives, and you can find this show and other ones there. Thanks again, everybody. See you next time.